but give me my timer if you don't mind. But this message is sent and meant to help people. How many of y'all know that's one of the primary objectives of the church? Amen. To help people. Help people what? Become all that God wants them to be. Amen. So with that being said, I want you to go to Romans chapter 7, verse 18 through 25. Then I'm going to give you my subject. And today, honestly, I don't want you to make the mistake of thinking that this message is just for a certain type of person. And I'll show you why in a second, because it's for everybody. It's for everybody, whether you've been saved, spirit filled 40 years or you just came to know the Lord or you don't know him at all. Amen. This word today is being brought forth to meet us all. It's, a, it's for me. Amen. To meet us all right where we are and help us to develop in the things of God. This, this will be a tremendous discipleship message, and that is our goal today. But listen to the brother Paul, and right around Romans 6, on through Romans 8, and really throughout the whole book of Romans, Paul does a great job of balancing the law and grace. And how many of y'all know in this hour, we are no longer under the law, hallelujah, we're under grace. In the dispensation of grace, we have a better covenant now, all those kinds of things. And we thank the Lord for that. But Jesus didn't come and do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. So the truth is, the Ten Commandments still apply today. <laughs> How many of you know you still can't still lie, bear false witness, commit adultery? Amen. You still can't do those things and be heaven bound. Uh, however, we understand that because of the blood of Jesus, because of the perfect sacrifice, amen, Jesus came and he wrote the law in our heart and he gave us power and authority over anything that would try to get you and I off track. So I'm going to give you my subject before I read. Today, we're going to talk from the thought how to stay right when you want to be right. How to stay right. When you want to be right. Those are some beautiful graphics, by the way. Job, dear. How to stay right. When you what, church? Want to be right. Now, listen to the subject even before we read the scripture. That way you can decide if this is your word or not. This message is not for somebody who is contemplating if they want to be right. This is probably not your word. And I just say that in the beginning, like, we, this one going to miss you. Because you're not sure if you want to be right or not. You know what I mean? But for those of us in here who want to be right... Amen. We want to, what is being right? Please the Lord. Amen. How many of y'all know there's a way and a method to stay right when you want to be right? I coined a phrase a few years ago called help for those who want it. How many of know there are a whole lot of resources? Y'all, seriously, there's a whole lot of resources and help. Watch this. There are thousands of clinics in the United States to help a person get off drugs if they really wanted to get off drugs. But how many of you know, without a passion to kick it, you can go inpatient, outpatient, all day long, education, on and on and on. I got some precious members in this church that kick the habit until you get to a place to where you really want to be right. Those resources don't mean a thing. There are over 4,000 colleges and universities. I'm in my introduction where a young person, older person can go off, get a degree, do well in life, get a good job, on and on and on. But how many of you know the school can be in your backyard, but if you don't have the passion 
Hey man, to go to school, you will go and flunk out the first semester. Because resources are not solutions until a person's heart is connected to the solution. Resources can be available. I tell you right now, there's a there's a guaranteed resource to get a person blessed, to get a person in prosperity, in their marriage, in their finances, on and on and on. And I promise you, it all links back to obedience. Well, until a person has passion to obey God. And yeah, you got to balance that with grace. Amen. Because his grace intervenes for our shortcomings. But until they have passion to obey God, you can have 66 books of rich scriptures on how your life can be blessed and never get blessed. Because the truth is, it's just a manual until you apply it. That's why the Bible says that we are not just hearers of the word, but doers also. So with that being said, listen to what the brother Paul says in Romans 7, 18 through 25. And today we're going to talk about how to stay right when you want to be right. Will you say that with me, church? Come on. How to stay right when you want to be right. Romans 7, 18, Paul says, for I know that in me, what are you referring to, Paul? That is in my flesh. Nothing good dwells like the way King James says it dwelleth no good thing. How many of you know your flesh is falling? No good thing in the flesh. By the way, when you got born again, your flesh didn't get saved. Right now, you're saved, you're ready for this, but your flesh can still be triggered by sinful things. You better hear me today. You are born again, and y'all, I'm going to be tactful because we got kids in the room, but I am going to preach this today. You can be born again, but my brother, if you go and watch pornography, Hear me now, really born again, yet go and quote unquote slip up and watch pornography, your flesh will still catch on fire. Which, by the way, just for clarity, saved folk don't slip up into pornography, just for the record. But balance that out. You can look at a woman, amen, on a hot summer day. One pastor said this is the look up season. How many of y'all know people start taking clothes off when it's hot out there like Yeah, my wife and mother-in-law, Maria, their previous pastor, I never got to meet him, but they say he used to say this is the look-up season where you, you know, you make sure you look up. Amen. You're not, you're not, you can't look at everything right now. Well, you can be born again, and if you sit there and you continue to stare at someone who's revealing, and by the way, it's not just men, it's women also. In your flesh, Paul, with his saved self, dwelleth no good thing. And that's what he's saying. He says, for to will is present with me. (laughs) But I like this. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. No, I got the will to do right, but give me instructions. Teach a good message on how to do right when you want to do right. Amen. Amen. I don't know how to implement it. Amen. The truth is my flesh still pulls me, someone might say, in a certain direction. And I'm telling you, we're not going to call nobody out. But when I tell you this is an anointed message, God made the right people show up today. I promise you, I'm telling you this as a pastor. The right people are in the room right now. The right people are streaming in. When this goes on television, the right TV audience will be listening to it because God wants to help you find out how to put the flesh in its place. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
So verse number 19, Paul goes on to give further clarity. He says, for the good that I want to do, I have a will to do good, but I don't do. <laughs> but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Good God Almighty. He's starting to talk about some things in that. Then he goes on to say, I find then a law. And a law in this context simply means something that is repetitive. It is when you put H2O together, there's a law that you get water. Amen? Well, there's a law. He says, I find something repetitive, something foundational in this. There's a law. That evil is present with me. Watch. With who, Paul? The one who wants to do right. How to do right when you want to be right. Evil is always present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. In other words, I love the things of God. I delight in the law of God in my inward man. That is his spirit man. That's the inward man. That's why the Bible says your inward man is renewed day by day. Quick plug. How do you do that? Through prayer in the word. You got to renew your inward man. In fact, Romans 12, you got to renew your mind. Your inward man, though, your spirit man is it, it, it wants to obey God. When you get born again, your spirit man wants to obey God. But look at verse 23. But I see another law. Where, Paul? In my members. What is a member? Your flesh. There's a law in my hands. There's a law. Amen. Amen. In places on me that most certainly can be aroused. There, there are laws in a person's members. What is that law that's going on? That law is bringing me into captivity to what? The law of sin, which is where? In my members. In other words, when I got saved, my flesh did not get saved. The flesh carnality, carnal mind has passions and wills and desires that are not after the things of God. That's why when you get born again, for example, from a homosexual lifestyle, yes, you are saved, we're going into it today, church, but you still need soul salvation, which is your will and your intellect to tame your flesh back into the salvation that is in your inward man because while your self-saved self wants to do the will of God, your flesh still gets aroused by the wrong thing. So I came today to help somebody who wants to be right, to help somebody who God did deliver, which includes all of us out of a lifestyle of some sort. Amen. I, I don't have the testimony of coming out of homosexuality, but thank God I came out of some stuff. Amen. Amen. And the truth is, we all, this is why this message is for everybody, including the pastor, we all have to have certain methods in place in order to keep the flesh in its place under subjection to the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody, so that we don't fall back into what we used to do. Listen to this, despite being saved. Oh, I'm going to mess with your theology. There are some saved people that fail. That's why the Bible says, if you sin, you have an advocate. Who's he talking to? The church. You're not talking to a non-believer there. If you sin. Well, let's go a little deeper. Jesus ever liveth making intercession. 
Y'all, why he got to intercede for somebody that don't ever? You don't ever say, I mean, you don't never talk to your husband the wrong way. You don't talk to your wife the wrong way ever. Oh, I'm going to be so, this is going to be good today. I've talked to first lady wrong before. Sure have. She said, I have too. I've talked to my kids wrong before. No, there's an intercession. They're redeeming me for that. Come on, church. Mismanaged money, whatever your testimony is, you've done something. Are you in here, church? You, 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 you've got, now those are real slip-ups. You had a bad attitude one day. Amen. Well, somebody was intercessing. Amen, church. But that bad attitude didn't come from your saved self. That bad attitude came from your carnal mind, which is enmity against God. And it doesn't want to do the things of God. Hence, when I would do good, evil is always present. When I would get to church on time, the evil of oversleeping... Woo, Jesus. I can give you scripture to back that up. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of y'all know the disciples overslept in the Garden of Gethsemane? My God. I just don't feel like getting up. So we can give you so many examples of how all of us qualify for this message. All of us in this room. And, and so Paul goes on to say, I see a law in my flesh that is warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to what? The law of sin, which is where, church? In my members, which is interpreted in my flesh. In my flesh. Let's go on to verse number 24. Are you enjoying yourself? So Paul finally does what many of us have done when we were trying to do right, when we were maturing in this thing. Some of you still do this to this day. You know, you start kicking yourself. You say, my God, I'm a mess. I'm just a mess. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who is going to deliver me, he said it right, from this body of death. You have a body of death, a body that is created, amen, to not mind the things of life, to not pursue abundant living your body the carnal mind the flesh all connected amen a body of death who's going to deliver me from this mindset from this proclivity in the flesh i want to do right but the flesh constantly wants to pull on me and then thank you paul for bringing it around so that we don't have a license to sin he says in verse number 25 i thank god through jesus christ our lord so then with my mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the flesh wants to serve sin. We're going to get to remedies in just a second, but he gives you a hint right there. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the ultimate remedy for the flesh. How to stay right when you want to be right. Now, just so you know, and I know there's some theological debates on this. But I studied it out. And Paul is not saying that he keeps on sinning. And you got to understand this really important truth, because I know a lot of people today want to make Paul gay. They want to make Paul the thorn in his flesh meant this, meant that. The devil is a liar. That is nothing could be further from the truth. That is not what Paul was saying. Amen. Listen to what he's saying. He is acknowledging that the law is not enough 
to keep him from sinning. What is the law? Amen. The five books of the law, the 600 plus laws, uh, uh, Leviticus, amen, Exodus, Deuteronomy, all the laws of the Old Testament are not enough in and of themselves to keep me from breaking them. Back to the point of knowledge is not enough to make somebody do right. I gave you this example earlier this morning. There is a law on 85 that you're not to, at least the part that I know about, I know it gets higher as you go closer to Durham, you can go up to 70 probably, but up here in Charlotte, you can go as fast as 65. How many of y'all know that's the law? Come on somebody, but that law is not enough to keep people from driving 80. But that law was not enough and that's what Paul is saying. He says, the laws are not enough for me to stay with the plan of God. And that's why Jesus came. He didn't come to eradicate the law. Now you're ready for this revelation. He came to fulfill the law. What does that mean? Give you the power necessary to stay in alignment with his laws and precepts so that you don't continuously fall short of the glory of God. Controversial statement. You can go without sinning. Now that flies in the face of the grace movement. Contrary to popular belief, you can live a life free from sin, hallelujah, as you keep your mind and your faculties stayed on the Lord, as you obey Proverbs 4 and look straight ahead, you and I can live a life that is not tainted by the negative elements of our flesh. So Paul was not saying that I continuously sin. When you have time, you study Romans 6 through 8. That's why you got to read your Bible. And we're going to get to 8 later on. But you will note that Paul brings it back around and he shows us the remedy to sin. So how many of y'all know I don't have to fall short? I'll give you a quick example. In fact, in Romans, don't turn there. This is just introduction. Anybody got time today? In Romans 6 and 15, Paul asked a rhetorical question. He said, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? And y'all, I'm messing up the grace message right now, which is the hyper grace message of today, where so many men, and I don't care if they are on TV, I don't care if they have a national audience, I can care less who they are, how big their churches are, but so many notable people today are preaching messages to you to give you a license to constantly disobey God because of what his grace has done at Calvary. And I believe that those people who are living out those ways of being are going to be the ones, listen to this now, because this is gospel one-on-one right here, that are going to stand before God and hear him say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you to begin with. How do I come up with that hypothesis? Let me give you some quick elements. The truth is, when you really get born again, You don't want to sin on purpose. That's the truth. So you don't have to preach Gabe Rogers a whole series on how God will forgive me or how his grace is there for when I mess up. Because the truth is, when I mess up, like the Holy Spirit of God in the New Testament, read it on your free time, I'm grieved by messing up. I don't feel good. I don't feel like it's a privilege to constantly tell God how I started doing the wrong thing again. It bothers me. 
Are you in here? And when you get to a place to where sin does not bother you, you better check your salvation. You better find out whether or not you're still in the faith, or better stated, whether you are in the faith to begin with. Not still in the faith to begin with. Because I do believe when a person really gets saved, no, I believe you're saved. I really believe that. I do. I do. I do. I believe a person will deal with that on another day. But when a person is saved, 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 as the old saints used to say, saved like the Bible says. No, they're they not going back. The Bible says they went out from us, but they was never of us. You weren't saved to begin with. When he said I was married to the backslide in Israel, please understand that that is pre-dispensation of grace. They had no grace back then. So backsliding meant something. That's when you had to have a priest go make atonement. Can y'all come with me for a little bit? But when Jesus died on the cross, the blood of Jesus and the salvation that he released was a salvation that's forever. Forever. So this is so good, y'all. He says we're not under law, but we're under grace. I'm not under the Old Testament law anymore. Thank God for Galatians 3. Curse is everyone who's hung upon a tree and Jesus died for our curses. So I'm no longer cursed. The however is because I'm under grace, his grace is sufficient and it makes me want to do right. This is why the Bible says it's Christ at work in me both to will and to do his good pleasure. What does that mean? Christ is at work in me on my will. Making my will want to do what he wants me to do. That's why we say stuff like, may I be conformed to your will. I want to please the Lord. Those of you who are in the membership talk this morning, that's what that was all about. It's about pleasing God. If I'm not pleasing God, I don't want to do it. Whatever it costs me, amen. But I'm ready to do what, church? Please the Lord. Hallelujah. So how do I stay right when you want to be right? I'm going to give you some remedies in just a second. So now we are not practicing sin, but turning point in the message. The truth is Satan fights a believer. He sends temptations. He sends opportunities to the flesh. So this message focuses on the pragmatic things that we can do, the pragmatic things that we can put in place so that we are never in the line of fire. I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, and this will cover us all. Are you enjoying yourself? Amen. Amen. Come on, get the tape from Thursday night, and, and you can just enjoy prosperity and favor and all that kind of stuff. And then how many of y'all know we need balanced preaching? Amen. Amen. We need a message today on how to stay right when you want to be right. So this is why it applies to Pastor Gabe and everybody in the room. This is so very good. First Corinthians 10 and 12 says, therefore, therefore, do what church? Let him who thinks he stands do what? Listen to the preacher today, lest he fall. Because sin comes fast. Let him who thinks he has it together, take heed, lest he fall. And why is that so important? Because no temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. You know what that means? There's nothing new under the sun to get you off track. Do you know that the same thing that killed men of God back in the Bible days are the same things that killed them in the New Testament age? You better read your Bible. What took Samson out? A woman. 
What took David out? Y'all ain't saying nothing. Same thing. It's same tools. Same tools. Now, do you think I'm going to be a dummy and let a woman take me out? Are y'all getting this? When the Bible says nothing new under the sun, that's exactly what it meant. It's nothing new under the sun. What took mighty men of God out in past times? Lack of integrity. What took Saul out? Lack of integrity. God told him to do something to a certain people. And Malachites, I believe, wasn't. He didn't do it. Lack of integrity. What takes men of God out today? Lack of integrity. Tax evasion and beyond. Are you in here, church? Amen. And it's not just about pastors. It's about you. Same thing. Inner office affairs, on and on and on. Same tools. Y'all, when I tell you, you can put the devil in his bucket if you basically just learn that he don't have anything beyond temptation. That's all Satan has. And we know that that's true because the Bible says there is no temptation that's overtaken you except that is common to man, has been around since the creation. What got those folk in the garden? Temptation. Anybody ever heard of Adam and Eve? Y'all, what got Adam and Eve was a conversation over a piece of fruit. Therefore, you and I got to get up and go to work. And all of the people who are going to have babies got to have somewhat painful births. Now, that's another message. You get under the grace of God. It don't got to be like that, but that's another show. But people got to go through certain toils and things of that nature because the bottom line is Adam and Eve fell to Satan's one trick, temptation. That's it. But God is what? Faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted Beyond what? You are able, but with the temptation, he will also make a way of escape that you are able to bear it. And I always tell people who are battling in their flesh, you know, like Jesus, you have not resisted under blood. And at the bottom line is, you got to understand that the way of escape that he's provided for all of us are the power tools to the believer. Church, messages, the Holy Ghost, accountability. We'll talk about all of that. But God has provided a medium for you to practice certain methods, amen, so that you don't get off track. Go back to verse number 12. Wherefore, let him who thinks he stand do what? Take heed. Now, I like the way the word English Bible says it. It says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands be careful. Everybody shout, be careful. careful. Now, come on, say it again. Be careful. Be careful careful that he doesn't fall. I want to go off on a little rabbit trail. There are some things you can do to be careful. There are some things you can do pragmatically to just be careful. Some things you can do that the world is not doing, but you are mindful to do because you are careful. Can I give you a few quick examples? (laughs) Like, you know, the young lady, brother, that works in your department, that for some odd reason always wants to know what time you're going to lunch. There are some things you can do to be careful. Let me give you a couple of quick remedies. Here's one. The next day after you get that email, bring your wife just by chance to the job to have lunch with you on site 
and introduce her to the young lady that sent you the email on yesterday because she may not have impure motives, but you're just being careful. There are things you can do to be careful. You know, things you can do, just make a decision. I don't mind sharing these kinds of things. And none of this stuff is evil, man. These, these were great money opportunities. A couple of years ago, longer than that, probably when my wife was pregnant with our last child, yeah, two, three years ago. Man, I, I was invited to go to Hawaii to do a talk. Amen. And how many of y'all know that's a nice place? But how many of y'all know I'm not going to Hawaii without First Lady Stephanie sitting in the seat right next to me. Because there are some things you can do to be careful because after all, the ladies on Waikiki Beach will not be fully clothed. Y'all ain't going to say amen, but I will say amen to my own preacher. That same year, I was invited to do a talk for an organization in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whoa. They tell me it's good food in Las Vegas. They tell me it's good shopping in Las Vegas. Amen. I'm not demonizing these places, but there is whenever your city has a slogan. Do you know words are powerful? When your city says that whatever happens in this city stays in this city. Come on, New Orleans. When your city's slogan is Sin City. No offense, I got members who are from New Orleans. There are things you can simply do if you're going to go to be. How about I didn't go to Vegas or Hawaii because money ain't everything. Y'all ain't going to say amen, but I'm going to preach. I said money ain't everything. She was pregnant in the second or third term and no condition to be traveling like that. Amen, amen, amen. And the truth is, there's no good legitimate reason. I didn't, I didn't need that money. Amen. How many of y'all know God know how to give money to me? There are things you can do to be careful. I hope I'm not boring you. How to be right when you want to be right. Why is this so important? Because, y'all, we live in a fallen world. I want you to see something that you may not have read this way, Mom. You got to read it a certain way. 1 John 2 and 16, this is so powerful. We sometimes jump to the three tempting points of the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's true, but you got to start with the first six or seven words. The Bible says, for all that is in the world. Y'all. What John is saying to the church is understand that all that's in this world is mess. No exceptions. That's why we are in the world, but not. So he says all that's in the world, all you can look for in this world on those companies you work at. Keep working there because I'm, you know, we need a job, but you are in Babylon. What is Babylon? A place without God. That's all Babylon is. You are in Egypt, a place without God. That's where you live. Amen. And all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And it's not of the father, but it is of the world. And see, pastors got to preach like this because we got to arm our people to understand that you are in a relentless society. And it's because of Satan's regime. He's the prince of the power of the air. He runs certain territories. 
That's why your colleagues go on a team retreat to Charleston every year where everybody gets drunk and goes to the boss's beach house. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Because all that's in the world, unless you work at a Christian company and thank God you do, all that's in the world is evil. I got, I got a couple examples because I walked in my practice. I worked a good, good day yesterday and, uh, you know, enjoyed all my folks I saw. But I, I turned the TV on and, and it put it on uh, the TV Land channel. <laughs> How many of y'all watch TV Land sometimes? I watch it sometimes because it gives me that nostalgic feeling. You know, it takes me back to a time. Come on, y'all. How many of y'all remember Little House on the Prairie and, and MASH? I'm kind of weird. Sometimes I sit down on my piano and play those theme songs. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So I like TV land playing through the practice and every now and again. So yesterday I, I put it on TV land and, and Golden Girls was on. <laughs> Y'all remember that? And, and when they would go to an outtake, that little violin would come. Yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then the three ladies would pop back up on the scene, you know, and I'm not endorsing any of these shows, but, you know, Golden Girls. And, and how many of y'all remember a time of Facts of Life? Take the good, to take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the Facts of Life. Come on. And how many of y'all remember different strokes? Well, the world don't move. Come on. To the beat of just one doggone drum. What might be right for you might not be right for some. Moving on up to the east side. Moving on up. We finally got a piece of the pie. Y'all ain't saying nothing. When we finally realized we could live somewhere nice. And own businesses too. Now the husband in that show had an attitude problem, but. <laughs> hey Amen. But there was some morality. J.J. On and on, some morality. When they would film the, the shows before a studio audience. And where Mr. Evans would come in there and if Michael and J.J. did something wrong, he'd say something strong like, boy, if you ever talk to me like that again, you won't even know what hit you. And then everybody start clapping. I know that's right. The studio audience, everybody, hey. You would hear that sound, hey. When we used to do shows in front of a studio audience. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It was a time of morality. But all that's in the world today is scandal. Empire. Y'all ain't saying nothing. This is what you have to pick from. Dating naked. And modern family of a homosexual undertone demonstrating to you that somehow you're behind schedule. The modern family looks like this. I wish I had an amen in this church. I said I wish I had some Christians that would say amen in this church. We went from happy days to reality TV. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Even the immoral shows of that time at least had a good name, Cheers. 
But now you get to pick from the bachelorette and bachelor where one person kisses 40 different people, nasty as it can get, somehow, some way, that just became normal because all that is in this world is evil. I wish I had an amen in here. That's all that's in this world, Dave. That's it. And the quicker you get that revelation, the quicker you will be able to do what Jesus and his disciples did for his disciples. Wash your feet. You're going to have to get some dust off your feet every day, every day, because in the look up season, brother, when you just get up and go to work, you're going to see something you didn't want to see. I can't leave my kids on YouTube without a commercial popping up. Amen. With a woman showing a part of her body, she has no business showing. All that's in this world. PG-13 doesn't mean anything anymore. Have sex on a PG-13 movie. In some cases, rated G doesn't mean anything anymore. And we got our kids addicted to TV and computerized apps and programs. It's so bad now in the field of psychology, they're trying to come out with a new disorder for folk who are hooked on gaming. Gaming. Amen. I have a gaming device. Y'all ready for this? In my theater room, I have a game system, and the Holy Ghost hadn't given me liberty just yet to let my kids tap into it. I hadn't played it. Nobody in the house has played it yet. On purpose. Because quite frankly, and I'm not saying they won't play it this summer at some point, but quite frankly, I, I'm not so sure we're just ready to let little Gabe sit all day long. And then the things that they download into your child with Grand Theft Auto. Where a woman can get raped on a game system. When did games become rated mature? Man, for that game system we bought, at least we bought Pac-Man. I mean, we got to buy the corny games. When did games get rated mature? Where people can get gunned down and we wonder why our kids go into school or somebody goes into a newspaper organization and shoots up the whole place. And we know it all started from where they took prayer out of schools. However, the gradual moral decline of our culture has come to a place to where all that is in this world. All that's in the world is lust, lust, and pride. But if you're in here and you're not going to participate, give Jesus that kind of praise right now. Come on. Somebody shout hallelujah. You're in a fallen world. I believe, and I believe that's one of the reasons why God put me on television so fast. This, this ministry is moving at a record pace, eight years in, and, and the kind of exposure we have to thousands of people. And I'm going to be sure that this one goes on TV, probably next. But the bottom line is uh, pastors, teachers, preachers, we better go back to preaching morality, y'all, or we're not going to have anything. Nothing. My college students that's getting ready to go off to these great schools in the fall, they got to take this with them. They got to they got to have some internal because when they get there, man, they are going to see somebody roll a blunt. That's right. That's right. 
That's the bottom line. Even if they don't want to see it, they're going to see two women holding hands on their way to algebra. Because all that's in this world. Oh, what's in the world, sin? Sin. And you got to be conscientious. You don't have to be insecure, but you got to be conscientious to the sin. No, we're not insecure. Stephanie knows, man, if I travel, and I travel without her all the time, we're strategic, but she can't. We got four little kids. But uh, look here, you are conscientious. You are mindful. Amen. You know what you're doing. I quote my, my big brother in the Lord. I think he says something real good. You know, Bishop Wooden said this years ago. He said method is as important as determination. You can have a good determination to do something right, but if your method is inaccurate, you're going to fall. All right, you always make me give you an example before you say amen. So like single brother and sister, if you are trying to abstain from having sex prior to marriage, how about don't go to anybody's house? The method is as critical as a determination. Because if you go to somebody's house, y'all, it's hot anyway. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You already hot and bothered on another level. We got kids in here. You already struggling. If you go back to the house, it's curtains literally. But remember now, I'm not preaching to offend anybody today. I'm only talking to people who want to be right. I'm not talking to anybody right now. Like, if this, if, I get it. Like, I'm not trying to be offensive. Y'all, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. You know, we be like trying to muscle people, you know, in this stuff. Come on, Sekou, show me some resistance. Here, here's what preachers do to folk who don't want to hear what they're saying. I want you to pull back now. You know, don't hurt me, but pull back. All right. You know, you got that member in your church, don't want to listen to nothing, right? Everything you say, they got Bible repellent on. They got up this morning and they sprayed on all Anything the preacher says, going to bounce off of me. I ain't going along with none of that stuff. I don't want to hear it today. Pastor Gabe can come with all that strong stuff he wants. He don't tell me what to do. And this is you right here. Oh, come on and do right. Come on and do right. Oh, please do it God's way. Please. No, I'm pulling anybody today. I'm going to get guys who just come with ease. Now, this is how you live right if you want to live right. This is how you live right. I ain't studying this member over here. Ah, come on, please. Please, come on. No, I'm talking to him today. Come on, man. You want to live right? This is how you live right. Come on, and let's run across. We can move faster. When you want to live right, we can go faster. If you're on the team, be on the team. Somebody give God great praise in this place. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. How to be right when you want to be right. So I want to give you the remedy in my last 30 minutes to be right. Not all right, OJ and Diana. Let's just learn how to be right. Amen. That's for all my sweet members. How do we, Shanita, how do we be right? You know, I quote the great quartet, I, I, I. 
I just want to be right. And I like their fan. Be right, be right, be right, be right, be right. I want to be right. Then old Willie Neal Johnson in the gospel keynotes. Some years ago, you remember it, DeMond, they rewrote a secular song where a man was telling a woman, if loving you is right, wrong, I don't want to be right. Well, they rewrote that song and put it on the album. And the, the song went like this. If serving God is wrong, I don't want to be right. How many of y'all know some songs need to be left alone? Because they remind you of the past. That's just a plug for free. But I, I, I just want to be right. That's all I want to do. I want to be wrong. I want to be right. So what is the remedy for your proclivities that are in the flesh? Amen. How do we get there? I feel accomplished in this message. Number one, <clears throat> salvation. Salvation. No Freud, secular psychologist, free associations talking up in the world is going to be able to free you from that vice. Carl Rogers was a psychologist and he taught humanism. And that is a vain philosophy. Colossians 2 and 8 really help you with that. <clears throat> it's a vain philosophy that really teaches that you are inherently good. So when counselors go to graduate school, one of the things they learn is something which is half true, and that is unconditional positive regard. Look at everybody as inherently good. While you should be unconditionally positive regard to everybody, the truth is we are not good. That's right. Because in our flesh dwelleth no good thing, which is why a person has to try to stay in counseling multiple years mauling over the same thing because they have not had a transition in their spirit man you cannot be sanctified before you're saved and this is why we need to stop wasting time trying to mentor people who aren't born again mentoring happens at a place to where a person comes to the end of themselves and when they come to the end of themselves they are now officially ready to be groomed into what God has called them to be Amen. Are you in here, church? So the first thing, if you want to be right, you want to get rid of an attraction that you shouldn't have, maybe to a married man, maybe you need to get rid of, and we're being so careful, y'all. Uh, you can get rid of self-pleasure stuff that, that some people battle in their flesh. Uh, obviously, pornography, uh, drinking, amen. How many of y'all know, just because it's hot outside, I'm not getting ready to overlook <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 6 and 9 that taught me that no drunkard would have a place in the kingdom? But now you get up with the grace guys, they are going to teach you all day long. Nothing wrong with a glass of wine. Well, okay, God, I'm going to follow your lead. Nothing wrong with a glass of wine, but the Bible kind of gave me some insight on that. What, what, what did you tell us about that, God? Go to Romans 13, 13 through 14. We're going to put whatever God wants first. I was going to do this at the end, but listen to what he says. He says, let us walk properly as in the day. Not in reverly and in what? Not in drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. Looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. And here's a good one, Mary couples. Not in strife and envy. Amen. You got to crucify that flesh. But here's where I wanted you to go. For those who want to be wine bibbers. Because after all, there were people in the Bible who drunk wine. And if you want to interpret those passages to give you validation to have a Heineken this afternoon, let's just go ahead and read it and see if we can't put 
you know, clamps down on that. Because he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and do what? Make how many provisions? So, y'all, some things you don't do because you just don't want to open a door. Even if you weren't drinking to get drunk, you don't need a door open up the taste of wine and alcohol. Because watch this. When trouble and problem comes, that door that you opened to your taste buds and that spirit that you've allowed in freely, guess what the devil's going to do? He's going to make sure that you get lit to numb yourself of that spouse that just left you. Oh, that's good. Y'all not saying amen now. Now I'm getting the courtesy smiles. Y'all know what those are, right? See, when I was doing that other stuff, I'm a Christian. But when I get down your street, he's young. He doesn't. He'll develop in that. I still love Pastor Gabe, though. He'll develop. He'll develop. He's just young. I mean, his ministry is going to be something in the future. I'm only here for folk who want to help, though. I'm not trying to offend you. Go on, drink to the, you know, get a lot. You know, at the church. Have some Sunday dinner for de dessert, you know. Turn them up. Have a good time. Because that's what you want to do. Do it, man. See, we do all that making folk stuff. That ended for me in the fourth year of my ministry. I remember it when it happened. Because if you were around that first um, <laughs> Sunday of the year, I preached a message that was basically called, we ain't trying to make anybody do something they don't want to do. I forgot what the subject was, but that's what the message was called underneath it all. We are not making anybody do something they don't want to do. That's up to you. And the truth is, if you want your liver to shrivel up and all kinds of things to hit you later on in life because you want to disobey God, you can do that. And we're not honest with people. I got some uncles who I believe are in heaven right now. I think they got saved before they went. Praise the Lord. I'm glad for them. But they, they lived hard. That's why they're not here. You ready? Pragmatic. Some things are pragmatic. One reason why y'all not drink is what it does to you. Get out of sin and just get into what? You're sinning against your body. What it does to you physically. You know, I went to the dentist and he had to fill a cavity. <clears throat> for me, this was two years ago, I think, or do something with one of my teeth. And um, he came in and said, you know, Mr. Rogers, and he started cleaning his glasses. How many of y'all know when the dentist start cleaning their glasses, they got something to tell you that you don't want to hear? He said, uh, I'm going to tell you, um, you're doing great. I love the way you're flossing. It's looking really good. I got one of them positive dentists. This brother is positive. I love the way you're doing what you do. Truth is, though, we need to go ahead and go up in that one, that molar up there, before it causes you big problems. Because in a minute, you're going to feel that one. You know? He said, and it's no big deal. It's probably just from chomping down every day, you know, drinking some sodas. How many of y'all know sometimes the truth hurts even when it comes softly? And for a minute, I was like, yeah, well, golly, how he know what I'm doing? How many of y'all know you can't get mad at Moses when he's delivering you? That's what's wrong with you. You're so mad at the pastor, and he taking you out of Egypt. That dentist didn't do nothing to me. I did that to myself. So, you know, after he got through, the Holy Ghost convicted me, or at least I convicted myself, I think. And I said, he's right. You know, I eat a pack of M&Ms three times a week. 
That's how I got there. Root canal. It's not his fault. All them M&Ms. And justify it because it's almond M&Ms. And almonds are good for your blood. No, cut it out. The truth is you put all that sugar on your teeth, amen, and even a toothbrush can't get it all off twice a day. I'm in trouble. But you got to make no opportunity for the flesh, church. Like you're trying to get out of a, a, a sexual lasciviousness. Okay, now you might not be able to go to, I'm not going to say any restaurant names, but you know what they look like on a Friday night. Folk wearing spaghetti straps. and So you're trying to beat that vice. You might need to chill out. I want you to laugh, but you better get this lesson. You might need to hang back. Now y'all go ahead. I, I know what's up down there. And some people, Pastor Gay and First Lady, could probably walk in the same restaurant. We didn't even see it. You ready for this? A man or a woman that is being freed from alcoholism, for example. This is so good. I'm going to use some of my uh, psychology tools for a second. Watch this. He or she, as they are in what they call recovery, can ill afford to sit next to the bar. And let me tell you why. Because for them, they're going to hear the ice twinkling against the glass, which is going to automatically, back to the flesh, turn a trigger on of something that they used to participate in. This is why wise pastors, including yours truly, don't use real wine in communion. I don't care what they did in the Bible, which, by the way, their wine wasn't our wine. Another lesson. But we don't use real wine because we understand somebody in recovery may come to our church. And for God's sake, we don't want Jesus in the Holy Ghost. Communion to be the reason why your taste buds catch back on fire. One taste away. That's why they need a meeting on Christmas and Thanksgiving. Do you realize AA doesn't shut down 365 days a year? There's a reason for that. I see people in my practice, and they are relentless with it. They're on like their 80th chip. They've been clean 20 years, and they'll tell me, Dr. Gabe, now I'm going to my meeting tomorrow. They don't care that it's the 4th of July. Because they got to do something that the rest of us don't have to do. I'm not going to a meeting on the 4th of July, but they are. Because that's what it takes. Man, you got to make no provision. Y'all, I'm not trying to be overly passionate. You better hear me, though. You got to make no provision for the flesh. Now, remember I told you Paul wasn't talking about how he was getting in constant sin and all those kinds of things. Look at the remedy he gives you in the next chapter over. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. One through three. I'm going to try to slow this down, but I want it all on one tape because I want you to share with your loved ones. I want you to take it. I want everybody to get this and eat it. And I mean, it's given in a way that anybody can hear it who wants to hear it. But uh, listen to what he says in Romans eight, one through three. There is therefore now how much condemnation? No condemnation for those who are where? In, in what? Those who got born again. Those who got born again. And when they got born again, made a decision to do what? Not walk after the flesh that he just got through talking to you about. But instead, because they're saved, even though they still live in the flesh, they have decided that they're going to walk after the spirit. Now, they're still in a flesh that wants to do the wrong thing. 
but they have no condemnation because they've decided to follow the things of the spirit. Please go to verse number two. For the law of the spirit, there is another law, not just the law of sin, but the law of the what? Spirit of life. In Christ Jesus did what? Made us free from the law he talked about in chapter seven. The law of sin and death. Back to my point earlier. I don't have to sin because of the law of the spirit of life. That made me free from the law of sin and death. Now the law of sin and death is still in my flesh. But I don't have to be sick in my flesh because of the law of the spirit of life. Where by faith I can receive healing in my flesh. Because the law of the spirit of life overcomes the law of sin and death. Because Romans 8 and 11, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, quickens my mortal body. Takes authority over the law of sin and death. So I don't have to be sick. I don't have to be broke. I don't have to be depressed because my body, my mind, carnal mind, enmity against God would have me depressed. But the law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Don't got to look at that woman because the law of the spirit of life made me free and it redirects as soon as I see it in my peripheral. Don't got to do it. Don't got to misspend money because the law of the spirit of life tells me where to put my money. Don't got to get discouraged. Come on, church, when I haven't gotten hired yet because the law of the spirit of life gives me all the encouragement I need. Oh, this is a great Sunday for this. Don't have to have an abortion. Watch this. Even if you do slip up and mess up, come on, somebody, and make a wrong decision and end up getting pregnant. I don't have to be condemned and I don't have to have an abortion because if I get saved, how many of y'all know that Solomon came out of a difficult situation? You better get that revelation. And you don't know if that young man, young lady is the next cure for cancer. So let the law of the spirit of life Encourage you to have your baby. Have your baby. Glory to God. Because you're not who they say you are. And the truth is, the only reason why certain others did not get pregnant is they didn't get caught. But they did the same thing you did by which to get pregnant. Now let me balance this preaching. Everybody say, however. However. Let's go pre-sin for a second. How many of y'all know the law of the spirit gives me power and authority to not have sexual sins to begin with? I do not have to slip and dip and even have that problem to begin with. Because the law of the spirit of life. See, you'll never corner me on anything. I'm going to teach grace, but I'm going to teach prevention. Everybody say pre-sin. No, the truth is, this never had to happen. I didn't even have to get over here. But now, since I'm here, there's no condemnation. But if I let the law of the spirit of life get in me right now, prior to young people, I don't ever have to make that decision. First time you got to make a decision about pregnancy will be what color crib you want with your husband. (laughs) Do we, do we want a Charlie Brown theme or in his bedroom or? Come on, guys. What, what, what do we want? We, what kind of theme we want for her? We want the bedroom pink or blue? Baby blue? 
Lavender. Amen. In verse number three, come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. For what the law, here it is, what a speed limit 55 could not do. What the law could not do that it was weak through the flesh, God did clarify in chapter seven by sending his own son in sinful flesh on account of sin. What did he do with the sins of the flesh? He condemned them Therefore, they have no more authority over you except the authority you give them. No more authority. Devil can't make me do nothing. If you read chapter 7, Paul talks about it at a certain point where he, he says, yeah, the devil made me do it. How many of y'all know because Jesus died, the days of the devil made you do it are over. The devil didn't make you do a thing. The devil suggested but I got to bite the hook of his suggestion. And it's not just moral sins. Are y'all ready for this? Did you know you got to bite the hook of discouragement? All right, come on, let's go to our next point. Come on, come on. Who's still here with me? All right. So number one, what do we got to do first? We got to get saved. Salvation. And then if you were going to put a letter A under that, it's not the next point. I like <coughs> salvation and being spirit filled. Acts 19, have you received since you believe? We don't have time to teach on that, but you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll be controlled by the Holy Ghost. You'll walk in the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. That's why you got to get the tape. Read Galatians 5, 17 on down. Walk in the fruit of the Spirit, but get Spirit filled. And uh, <clears throat> that second blessing, and that'll give you even more authority and power to make the right decisions, which is a good lead into number two. What is the remedy to this world? <clears throat> What is the remedy to all that's in the flesh? Number two, godly mind control. Godly mind control. Please read Romans 8 and 5. Godly mind control. Come on, we're going to take our time. I got 13 minutes. Come on. <clears throat> let's read it together. Let's read it on the screen together. Come on, perk up. Let's do it, church. Ready? Read. For those who live according to the flesh. Stop, please. Those who live according to the flesh do what? Set. Set. You ever heard me say in faith, I set myself in agreement? To set is a posture of your thinking. So for people who sin and sin continuously, they have their mind set on that sin. Set on the things of the Flesh. You can beat a drinking habit if you get your mind off of drinking. Before you ever drink, you have to think about drinking. Quick example, this water is quite good, but I had to think, walk over, set my mind on it, and then <clears throat> turn it up and drink it. Same thing with any other sin <clears throat> that a person commits. Those who live according to the flesh, they do what? Set their mind on the what? What are the things of the flesh? The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Sex, drinking, lying, stealing, cheating. Those are the things of the flesh. Discouragement is a thing of the flesh. Dishonesty is a thing of the flesh. You got to set your mind on that. Now let's read it again from the top. You got time? Come on. Ready? Read. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit of life, the things of the capital S, the Holy Spirit, the things of God, the word of God, 
life, an abundant life, peace in your home, peace with your money. Most importantly, peace with God, pleasing God, pleasing God. See, as a pastor, my mind is set on pleasing God <clears throat> in this church. We're going to please the Lord. Everybody who participates, you're going to be pleasing the Lord. Our mind is set on pleasing God. Amen. And those who live according to the Spirit, Jameson, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Well, how do you set your mind on things of the Spirit? I mean, you know, setting your mind on something also means you participate in something continuously. You can't set your mind on the things of the Spirit and miss Bible study three Thursdays a month. Amen. And put more priority on the foolish television shows that we just mentioned that come on on Thursday night. Your mind's not set on the things of the Spirit. You're going to set your mind on things of the Spirit. There are some decisions you're making about time with God. That's the things of the Spirit. Now, we're going to get up and read our Bible. We're Christians. We set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Before I do anything, every day, we're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. We're going to read the Bible. When I say we, me and God together, and we're going to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. My wife will tell you, I walk out every day. It's going to be a great day today. Oh, yeah. Confession. Well, things of the spirit. Constantly professing and confessing the favor of God, the abundance of God. We set our mind on those things. You set your mind on the things of the spirit. You know, the last fling you were with, his power over you is going to diminish. You're not thinking about him anymore. Did you know you finally get to a place where you're not thinking about certain people? I'm ready. You ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. If you're in here and you can mention the names of all of your elementary school teachers, I'm talking about all of us over the age of 40. If you can mention the names of all of your elementary school teachers right now, I want you to lift your hand and please call them out all six years. All of them. All of them. All of them. Okay? All of them. So it's about three of y'all in here that can mention all of them. Okay, let me give you one harder than that. <laughs> this is going to blow your mind. Because I know some of y'all think you can, but we're going to help y'all out real good. So your parents told you the name of your doctors by which you were born. And the nurses who assisted. If you can mention the name of all of the hospital associates at the time that supported you getting into raise your hand and do it right now. All of them. All of them. You know why you can't do that? Because your mind ain't on it. You ain't thinking about it. You haven't thought about it in years. So you can't remember it. Some people are real good at remembering numbers. I don't remember my number from Connecticut. Because my mind hadn't been on it. I can still remember my phone number from our previous home. Because I still got to use that to get points at CVS. <laughs> and I hadn't updated my account. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And here is Cedar. I don't have the new number in there yet. So I got to tell them the old number. That's the only reason why I still. But everybody in here, you got slippage. These ladies couldn't raise their hand on that next question. Because you can't remember everything because your mind is not set on it. You can remember last Thursday's message, amen, because it just happened. But somebody, please tell me what I preached four weeks ago and don't go through your notes. 
You know why you can't tell me? Your mind's not on that, and it's no offense to me. You only have a certain capacity. In order to remember what I preached four weeks ago, you'd have to go through your notes, you got to get with the bookstore, you'd have to get a catalog, and then you say, oh yeah, he sure did talk about by faith, sure did, I remember. Your mind's not set on that. So the same thing goes with Al that you're trying to get out of your soul, and Barbara that you're trying to get yourself from underneath. You have to practice Godly mind control. This is not just mental ascent, by the way. Godly mind control means to set your mind on the things of God. One scripture says that we set our affections on things above. You set your affections, your mind somewhere. The old saints were right when they said, I woke up this morning with my mind. Where did they have it? Stayed on Jesus. That's it. They woke up with their mind and they really did. Stayed on the Lord. Because by the way, that's the only way you could get through slavery. Is your mind had to be somewhere else. You better hear this. I went on last week to that Holocaust program or honoring Israel. And one of the men rather who had survived Holocaust, good Jewish brother. He talked about how his brother would quote scriptures every day. And that's what and some of my members went. But that's what kept them out of what they were going through. Because you would go crazy. That's relentless. Watching your mother get raped and killed and all kinds of stuff. The human mind, you talk about trauma, it can't even digest that. Your mind has to be somewhere else. And if you're going to get rid of vices, your mind has to be tamed and trained to constantly. What do you think a marathon runner does? Y'all, to run 26 miles is a mindset before it's ever physical. You can, some of us in here physically can run a lot of miles. We really can. I enjoy running miles. But y'all, if I ever went over my mile threshold, Linda can help me teach this. And Dave and the rest of y'all, guess what? You know what you got to do? Your mind got to shift. You got to get in a certain zone. Because if you start to thinking about the finish, <laughs> are you in your church? And don't keep your mind right. How many of y'all know you're going to be jogging and in a minute, you're going to walk it off. Yes, you are. Because the mind is one of the most powerful tools in your body. So you can stay free from homosexuality. You can stay free from adultery, fornication, uh, yelling at your kids the wrong way, on and on and on, discouragement, because you have your mind set on the things of God. We already went to Romans, but we're going back to Romans 13. Don't get bored. Stay in it, because come on, this is good work now. Good work. Romans uh, 13, 14. Y'all put it up in the New Living, Ch New Living Translation. I'm just trying to do my job. Amen. Trying to do, do my job. Look at this. Romans 13, 14, New Living Translation. Instead, so he said, make no provision for the flesh, but instead clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But watch what he just said. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Will you say, don't let yourself think about it? Come on, say it. Don't let yourself think about it. We have the authority to let our mind go somewhere or not. 
That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's why the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. I refuse to be troubled and discouraged. I will not allow. Is that all right, Linda? I will not allow my mind to go down just because things aren't going the way that I want them to go. Everybody say, don't let it. No, but look at it. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in evil desires, which leads me to my final point today. If you're going to stay free from the vices of this world, all that's in this world is evil. Number three, and we'll go home, you need honest acknowledgement of triggers. Honest. Everybody say honest. Honest acknowledgement of triggers. What do we mean by that? What is it that causes my flesh to arise this way? What is it? What is it? Romans 7 and 21 says it so clear. He said, I find a law. That when I would do good, evil is always present with me. There's always a trigger in my flesh. So this is the end point question today. And I want you to ponder this thing before we go to our last scripture. It's going to make you smile or it's going to convict you. But either way, it's going to help you. Here's a question I want to ask everybody in this church. What then is it? that needs to leave your life so that you don't end up in hell. Honest assessments on triggers. What needs, to, what needs to be sacrificed so that you, me, don't end up in hell? Honest assessment of triggers. Because I just wonder if when Jesus comes back and he finds somebody in a bed of defilement or a bed of, of lascivious sex if you know even though they went to church and played instruments and stuff if he's going to say I was just joking come on to heaven if the rapture happens I'm just I'm just wondering that and some people say that he will because they got saved or something I don't know maybe they were saved I think it's hard to be saved and do that ongoing though but I don't know I put that in the I don't know category so I'm going to ask that question again what is it that you have to give up so that you don't end up in hell. Because I got to be honest about the triggers. I got to be honest. Let me, let me show you something. Matthew 18, 7 through 9. This is so good uh, because the light for this comes on for me because of the work I do every day between counseling and practicing. But you must understand that I have worked with men, and particularly who are coming out of homosexual lifestyles or Sivious living on certain levels uh, who literally cannot watch basketball games. You know why? Because there's other men running around with their thighs exposed in tank tops. No, that's not a joke. They, ca they can't afford to watch it. Because the flexing of the man's arm when he backs up to shoot a three turns them off. So you know what they decided to do? True story. They don't watch it. Because they aspire to be Christians. So they don't participate. And they're saved, but they're walking through their soul salvation. I've had more than one man like that. Some that work with me every week. They don't watch it. 
Look at it, Matthew 18 and 7. Woe to the world because of offenses. Woe to this evil world, Jesus says. For offenses must come, but woe to them by whom the offenses come. Verse 18, please. Verse 8, rather. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, if watching a game causes you to sin, get you a saw and cut it off. And cast it from you. Why? Why did you ask that question about hell, Pastor? It's better for you to enter into heaven, life, lame or maim, rather than to have two hands or feet and be cast into everlasting fire. So ask that question again. What is it that you got to get rid of so you don't end up in hell? I say to my TV audience, what do you got to get rid of so you don't end up in hell? You can call me, you know, gnashing preacher, whatever they call those preachers. I forget what they call them. Firestone, fire and brimstone, firestone's a tire. Fire and brimstone preacher. Whatever, call me whatever you want. I'm just going to be that guy that really helped people try to get to heaven. That's what I'm going to do. And then after I preach today, Jesus is going to say, son, well done. Boy, I'm proud of you. Keep preaching, boy, keep preaching. Look at verse number nine, same text. What do you got to cut off? And if your eye causes you to sin, literally gouge them out. Oh, my God. God, you mean that? Pluck it out and throw it away because it's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than have two eyes and be cast into hellfire. Let me give you grace covenant interpretation of that scripture. If you have a large screen cell phone by which you can access pornography easily and you already struggle with that proclivity, go down to Verizon and the others trade your phone in no matter if you got to break a contract no matter what it costs trade your phone in after today's message because they're open and ask them for a flip phone with that one little yellow screen bar that you can barely see so you can receive your text messages because it's better for you to get to heaven with that rinky-dink flip phone than it is to go down to hell being able to see your emails on your phone. What do you got to give up? Thank you, dear. So you can get to heaven. What you got to give up? You know, some of them same brothers I told you about, guess what? Many of them consent. No, we change, I changed my number. Yeah, Dr. Gabe changed my number last week. Why? Because do I need the same people to be able to access me? Right, that's right. That's right. What is a trigger? When your phone rings and you see Bobby's picture come up because he's in your contacts. Right. Something in your flesh, in your soul, is going to say, at least see what he's doing. And all you need is one conversation. Come on, sister. One conversation with Mr. X. Girl, how you been? I miss you. I'm just going to come out and tell you, I miss you. You just need to know that. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what we got to do to make this thing right. But girl, I miss you. What you got to give up? Changing a number? And I don't care how much it costs. Oh, this is where it gets good. Okay, if, if you work at the place where somebody is constantly tempting you and, in fact, some things have happened there and you really just can't put it to bed, put it in its place and can't transfer it to another department or something and you still got to interplay with them and they still flirting with you and all that kind of good stuff. Okay, you ready for a revelation? Change jobs. Change Amen. Job. That's right. Amen. That's 
change jobs. Because some things are just worth it. They're worth it. What do you got to give up? So they won't cost you your soul. What do we got to give up on the college campus? So it won't cost us our soul. You better take this page out of your pastor's book. I don't mind teaching it because I live it. When I tell you I give up prestige all the time on purpose. I believe there's some things there that I've given up that the Lord would have been fine with me taking. And I'm not tempted and battling and struggling in my flesh. But you ready for this? Some things I just stay away from. I don't need it. I don't need it. We don't have time to really dive into this thing. I could have told you about accountability where you confess your faults one to another. But how many of y'all know accountability is as good as you being honest? I've asked people, so how was this week? Oh, man, nah, I ain't got into nothing. <laughs> and we know they lying because as soon as they say, I didn't get into nothing, their eyes conveniently shift to the floor. You know you got into some stuff, man. What's up? Accountability is as good as honesty. But what do I need to give up so I can stay right? Tell you what, there's some things back to myself. I don't mind giving up. I don't care. <laughs> My wife said me too. Don't bother me. You know, I, I just don't have, I don't really care to anyway, but I don't got to go out with the boys at 3 in the morning. I mean, nothing to me. Shoot, pull, look at people that we shouldn't be looking at. Why? I'm closer. Why? I, I don't I don't need I don't need certain thrills in life. It, I, you know, if I I mean I'm sure I'll go there one day on business, I'll take Stephanie with me maybe. But you know, they invite me back to Vegas again, you know. As far as I'm concerned, it don't mean nothing to me. Did you know when you go city to city that a mall is a mall? I just want to give you that hint. If you never and take it from one who travels all the time. Y'all, I'm so tired of malls. My wife would tell you, I don't I just when I go somewhere. Where we going to the mall? Why am I going to the mall? Guess what they're going to have in that mall? Same stores that South Park has. You ready for this revelation? With the same inventory. So if you just want to go to a mall, go because you want to go. But I'm saying that to say, like, I don't need to go city to city because they got something that. What am I giving up so I keep my soul right? You ready for this? We talked about a lot of sexual morality because that was the point of this message. But sometimes you got to give up some stuff that would drive up your pride. They drive your pride through the roof. You better know your preacher has been invited to be commissioned as the next bishop of so many different spots. And what did I tell him every time? No, thank you. Now, let me stay over here. Do what I do. Y'all call me if you need me, but I'm good. I don't need a coronation ceremony. Not right now. I don't know what the Lord tell me something later on, then I'll obey him. But I just don't think that that's now. I don't need it. I'm good. Further, I don't like going to all them church services anyway. <laughs> just a hint. 80 different conferences a year. I want to be home. I like staying. Whoa. What are we going to church for now? Come on. Driving your pride up. 
National organization called me a few weeks ago. Oh, big time, boy. Would ball, oh, boy, be God Almighty. You'd be all kinds of stations. This, that. Would you like to be one of the members of our board? No. <laughs> now, watch the balancing point. You can be one if God tells you to. But you sure bet, dog, I'll not start getting into stuff because you feel like you need to be somebody. You better let the Lord put you where he wants to. How, many, how you know you're not joining something and the Lord wants you to use your time somewhere else? You might need to be down there with love life saving babies, but you over here at a board meeting that God didn't tell you to get in. He didn't tell you to get in that board. You better not get in pride. We'll preach on that another Sunday. But what do you got to give up? Cell phone? A person? All of us have had to give up people. We're closing. I know you're ready to go now. But we've all had to give up people. And it's not always relationship, i.e. intimate relationships. I'm talking about just people who change their mind along the way. Give them up. How about if you go to hell, I'm not going with you? It's been real. God bless you, man. Oh, you turning your back on God. Oh, I'm good. Yo, I'm a, y'all remember the word, yo? Yo, I'm going to stay with God. <laughs> Talk slang to him. I'm going to stay on the Lord's side like a mug. <laughs> I don't change nothing. Oh, you don't want to preach the cross anymore? God bless you. I'm going to keep preaching the cross. Amen. I'm going to stay with God. Oh, if you're in here, you're going to stay with God. Give him a great praise. I'm done. Come on, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you got to give up? 